Welcome to the Synapse Nips podcast, where we explore the power of health and healing. On this podcast, we will be talking with health experts, professionals, and leaders about hot topics in the world of health. Whether it's tools to help you flourish, successful stories to inspire, or tips to optimize your health, Synapse Nips is here to help you take the first steps towards living your best life. Welcome to Synapse Snips. Today we're going to be talking about histamine and seasonal allergies to this season right now. So uh, we're going to do a part two, part B follow-up <laughs> from last week's uh, uh, episode on neurotransmitters because uh, histamine is a neurotransmitter, but it kind of deserves its own special attention because of its impact on the immune system. Mm-hmm. And how much we see that impact uh, life because of, really because of how our immune system is impacted. And so let's talk a little bit first just about histamine in general. Sure. So histamine is it's this tiny little molecule that does lots of things. Um, it's made out of something that you eat, you know, just meat. You know, your, your body makes it all the time for a lot of different purposes. But it has a lot of diverse roles. And I think the the thing that's most um, approachable, I guess, is the idea of water retention and swelling. I like to t- tell people, too, that a lot of, like, especially if you twist your ankle, the job of your immune system is to release histamine, among other things, to increase fluid in an area so that your immune system can go and do its job in that area. So histamine has a specific job in that role where it's, in a lot of ways, your body's signaling to tell the rest of the immune system, hey, there's something wrong over here. You should you should come and swim over here and do something about it. Yeah. And, you know, in the brain, it does a lot of things. We talked about this briefly last time. It keeps you awake. It's one of those things that it's going to wake you up in, in excess. It can do certain things too. And for people who experience seasonal allergies, it's one of the main things that causes those symptoms, which is kind of also a fluid retention-y thing, congestion, watery eyes, um, runny nose, cough. And it gets its bad rap because of that, because it's really quite debilitating as far as the uh, uncomfortableness of Mm -hmm. seasonal allergies or allergies to cats and dogs and things that make your eyes go red and itch and watery and, and so it kind of gets a bad rap for that, but it's so important in the body. We're going to talk about a lot of its other functions as well, because it, it's also involved with uh, uh, vasodilation, so it can lower blood pressure. Um, it functions as a neurotransmitter. It helps with stomach acid uh, being released. It helps with the constriction of the actual GI, uh, bronchial smooth muscle of the GI tract. So sometimes people with constipation, it's just it's not enough histamine. So we do want to be careful. If you look at a lot of the side effects of the antihistamines, those are actually the things that histamine does. And we do know, too, that um, um, if you have too low a histamine, one of the, the consequences of that is, is uh, an auto-inhibitory scenario within the brain with the histamine like H3 receptors, I believe. They end up causing the brain fog that a lot of people come in with. And so we'll start looking at bringing their histamine back into balance to actually improve brain fog. And a lot of times we work through the GI tract with that. I think that was an important point is balance. We're not ever trying to fully raise histamine or just squash and lower histamine. It's it's something that's very useful and you need it, so you can't have none of it. Uh, but it's about balance and timing and being able to use it when you need it. When 
when I have somebody that comes in that I suspect histamine, I ask them a, a variety of questions. And I think this will be useful to hear because if you have any of these issues, it could be a high histamine problem. I always ask about allergies. We already talked yeah. about that, and we should maybe talk a little bit more about that too. I like to talk about digestion, stomach acid. If you don't have histamine, you can't make stomach acid. And if you have too high of histamine, sometimes you can get reflux because there's too much acid floating around at certain yeah. times. I want to say one thing because one of the most complicated cases I had at the same time had uh, high histamine and low histamine because histamine is not just from one area. You've got mast cell uh, releasing histamine, part of our immune system, and then you can have low histamine with the digestive tract. And that's the scenario I had where they had basically, if we just put them on an antihistamine, their GI symptoms got worse. That's because the histamine response was shunted. So it's kind of like you're at a fork in the road and the majority of your histamine decides to go right towards the mast cells versus left towards the GI tract. For whatever reason, still don't understand that fully, uh, that can happen in many different areas of the body where things just get shunted. It doesn't necessarily get dispersed evenly. Like we talked about in the past about how magnesium is used in over 400 different uh, enzyme reactions. You could have two or three of those enzyme reactions be deficient and uh, they're just, the, the magnesium is not shunting towards those pathways. So that can be very, very challenging. And just know that if you're working with histamine, you do have to, number one, bring it to balance, high and low, but also know that other things, you can have both existing at the same time. And to help that particular person, we kept them on the antihistamines, decreased the dose, and then started working on the things that uh, that helped the GI tract. For I had to pull down the stomach, a functional hyalur hernia. We had to treat SIBO, which took uh, four to six weeks. And then we knew once we got the, that function better, they went back up on the histamine, the antihistamines for the mast cell uh, problems, and all of a sudden they're able to tolerate it better in the GI tract. Yeah. High histamine, even outside of some of those other issues in the digestive tract, I often look for bloating and stomach pain. Yeah. Especially if eating something causes those issues within 30 minutes of eating. That's one of my signs. Whether it's, uh, as opposed to that, sometimes people will have the gas and bloating a couple hours later yeah that's once everything's gone down into the small intestine but for some people with histamine problems it can be a very immediate type of, of reaction here's another weird one too because uh, people who drink water and get bloated <laughs> yeah that's usually a histamine scenario yeah. there's definitely some fight or flight stuff that goes with that and uh, some sleep disorders but uh, it's rare for me not to find a histamine issue when people say you know that's that's a weird i got a weird symptom i, I get bloated from everything even if i just drink water i'm like there it is. Yeah. And that shows up more than you'd think. Yeah. It's, I'm shocked how many people actually say that and, yeah. and feel that. Yeah. Um, one other weird one, sorry, is uh, I've seen um, patients who get bloated having a hot shower. And so that oftentimes is a histamine thing too. And I had, this one plagued me. I had, I still remember, it was a patient that flew in from Las Vegas. And there was a season in my career where I had a whole bunch of people flying in from Las Vegas because I was able to help one person who apparently talked to a lot of people because <laughs> they started flying in from Las Vegas. The flights were cheap. And one of the guys flew in there. And if you're listening to this, I remember you, and, and I hope you're hearing this now. Uh, I know uh, he sold socks. That's all I can say. Is that <laughs> he sold socks and was very successful doing it. Um, but he, he, said, he, he said, I bloat when I have a hot shower. And I still remember that to, the, to this day because it took me forever to figure what, what 
that was, and it was it's histamine. At the time, I thought it was adrenal stress because everything was pointing towards adrenal stress. I now recognize the fight or flight scenario and the downstream effects of histamine imbalances and what we talked about last podcast as far as the cryptopyrrolian copper uh, toxic uh, scenarios. But his was histamine. I now know that that it was a histamine thing because he also had a sleep disorder scenario part of it, uh, insomnia that was that was linked. And so you don't think of seasonal allergy stuff in the desert, mm -hmm. but you can have histamine imbalances uh, in multiple different areas. And, and it doesn't have to come from mast cells. It can come from the stomach itself. Yeah, exactly. We kind of skipped over allergies, and I think we should go back to that question. Yes. So seasonal allergies um, are not necessarily initially histamine problem. It has to do with the rest of your immune system and how you're identifying allergens. But once those... Um, once those allergens are identified, then your immune system says, oh, hey, let's make some histamine so that we can take care of this problem. We do a test for that on our normal blood work. It's an IgE antibody test where we look at the total level of IgE created because IgE is the signal to the immune system to make histamine. I had one patient once where the, the normal level for that is 10 to about 80, and this person, his was think about 2000 it was one of the highest ones i'd ever seen yeah and that person just and in that situation you really go through and say what are the things that are triggering that issue because that could be a seasonal allergy it could be a variety of other things like a food intolerance or a mold issue or some other thing that you're breathing in and identifying that those triggers for that person was able to bring that those IgEs down and therefore histamine and other symptoms yeah, for uh, me too, I've seen the opposite recently where I've had low IgE yeah, and then high histamine. And uh, I asked the group when we were in the meeting uh, if anyone has seen that. And it was Dr. Natalie that uh, sent some research my way um, that helped me discern um, some, some challenges. And we figured out there's other areas in the body that histamine can be released from. And uh, this particular individual had an autoimmune digestive scenario in the stomach that uh, now is most likely causing the histamine issues and uh it led to there's not a lot of research on this because I, I did a deep dive into it and found that there's some uh physiologically though it makes sense that just from proximity when you have that histamine being released uh sleep disorders can can occur and not just insomnia from the actual histamine neurotransmitter component but even um, sleep apnea and other factors like that. And so uh, I have a few patients where we, I've got that scenario, actual low IgEs. Yeah. And some situations that'll be called selective IgE deficiency. And there's some interesting research on that because it goes, it goes back to the same thing about balance. If you have too many IgEs, you're going to make a ton of histamine because your immune system is going to get ramped up and mad. If it's too low, you don't get the signal to the immune system that it needs, so it becomes dysfunctional and then can have the same issue to other random sporadic things. Yeah. So that's a very important test that we do. So anything else on allergies you want to comment on? Well, uh, the, other, the other side of that is, um, again, we always go back to this because your digestive system is so important, but we need good uh, stomach acid, good digestion to have the downstream effect and impact on actually our body making the IgG, the, the immunoglobulin. So we do need that uh, foundational mechanism working to actually get a proper balance of the immunoglobulins. And then the other side of that conversation is we live in a very toxic world right now. We have over 84,000 chemicals that the FDA has not 
even assess for what it does to our bodies. And uh, anything that is not innately within us when we started life can be deemed a toxin or uh, a potential uh, uh, allergic allergen um, or even you know, be confused with viruses, bacteria, and other things like that. So our immune system is very busy trying to discern what is what because we're exposed to so many fake things. And, and we have a general statement here that says, if God made it, it's good. If man changed it, just beware. Just be on be on the lookout because it, it may not work so well internally. Yeah. A couple other things that are related to histamine changes, anxiety, which we touched on a little yeah. bit during the last podcast too, but when a person comes in with a primary concern of anxiety, one of, one of several, but one, one thing that I always look for is uh, a histamine imbalance, elevated histamine is going to make the kind of the resting level of the brain's kind of irritability higher. So they're more prone to, to anxiousness and anxiety, which goes along with the wakefulness, right? It's, you need some to be awake, and if you have too much, then you're really awake and really anxious about stuff. Yeah, that's like torture when you're when you're sniffling because of seasonal allergies. You have insomnia and you have anxiety. What yeah. what a trifecta of torture that is! And yes, we feel for all those people out there that are. Yeah. yeah, that's all histamine. Yeah, because the next thing too that we were going to talk about was congestion. Yeah, know, some people just have that low level congestion or post nasal drip, and they say, "Oh, I've had this sinus thing for." decades and sometimes you know that's the histamine is overload in that area causing um, fluid to build up in the sinuses and the skin or, or the tissue around it and cause congestion yeah and congestion can lead to uh, decrease ability to smell which can uh, have its own actual complications limbically or emotionally because we need smells to actually to, to experience some of the, the joy of life uh, not saying um, uh, well, let me see, how do I say this? Good smells. <laughs> I'll still say that. <laughs> Not the bad smells. Yeah. Um, but also uh, lack of oxygen. So if we have anything that impacts our ability to get uh, the proper amounts of oxygen, there's going to be a net detrimental effect. So that can be true for congestion in the nasal. Um, if it's congestion and it causes a, a, some type of airway disturbance at nighttime, uh, sleep apnea can cause cardiovascular events uh, over time, and uh, and sleep disorders can do the same thing. And then even just one quarter inch decrease in rib excursion um, can uh, be equal to an Olympic sized pool of oxygen every day that our body and brain is not getting. And that's true for congestion as well. Every time you say that, I take a deep breath. Yeah, I, I just know. did it too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. The next thing. Elevated histamine skin issues. Yeah. The obvious one is hives. People will get hives for a variety of things, whether it's food or cold or contact to different things. Yeah. But even one one uh, gem that I heard from somebody is just the red flushing that people will get if they're nervous yes. or if they're even warm or anything like that. And sometimes it happens for no apparent reason at all. That flushing response where a person will get red and maybe kind of itchy sometimes too, that can be a good sign that you've got elevated histamine. Yeah, and a lot of times when I see that, um, I'm looking at not necessarily just seasonal allergies, but uh, um, internal infections uh, a lot of times drives that as far as what I find. And so that can be a sign if it never goes away after the season is over, then you have to look at something you're either being exposed to all the time in your environment, 
like dust mites or a cat or a dog, an animal, um, or it's internal, like candida or fungus. That's the most common one I see cause histamine. And then we even see that with some of our Lyme and mold patients. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's similar too, where if you're a person that you've never had allergies before, I hear this sometimes, like, I've never had allergies. And now this year, all of a sudden, I've got yeah. allergies for some reason. Yeah. Well, that doesn't just happen randomly. There's usually something internal or, or in your environment, like you yeah. said, that's different, that's triggering that problem. Yeah, you just got to do a little discerning to see what's new. And, and some of them can be pretty tricky, like Lyme and mold. Yeah, but yeah. Um, but my, my least favorite conversation is... Uh, when we determine that it's a histamine issue, and then I go through the list of any water damage in the house, and I always save this this one for last, and I know you know what I'm going to be getting to, but any water damage in the house, any ticks that you know, have you been out hiking, um, uh, have you uh, switched laundry detergents, have you gone through and make sure you've gotten new sheets and pillowcases and, and look for uh, dust and dust mites, do you have any new pets? <laughs> And I save that one for last. And when they say, yeah, we just got a dog three weeks ago. Uh, then, then it's like, well, do you have any good friends or family members that you possibly can? Uh, that's such a hard one. It is. Every once in a while, we have a person that really is that way. Yeah. And it's so hard to tell a person to get rid of a pet. Yeah. And so some people just say, hey, look, we're going to keep the pet. We got to do our best. Yeah. And they, and, and they will. We have a lot of people yeah. that say, no, I'm keeping the pet. Yeah. And to that point, so let's just say, let's talk about that a little bit. What if they don't want to give up the pet and not necessarily looking to get rid of the root cause that way? Yeah. So how do you manage that? Uh, people yeah. always come in and say, should I go get allergy shots or what can I do naturally? Yeah. I have a whole list of things that I tell people to do for this and they're different categories. Yeah. The obvious one that people have heard of are ways to block histamine's action at the receptor, which yeah. is like Benadryl or Claritin or an allergy medication. Yeah. Now, those types of things are not going to change your histamine level. They're going to reduce histamine's activation of certain of certain things. And, so and those can be very effective, but there's also, I'm just going to say it this way, they're very unclean. A lot of them, there's other con contaminating issues with that. And then there's also um, some negative uh, effects of doing that long term there yeah yeah one and i don't remember which antihistamine uh, was pulled off the market in the last couple of years because of cancer risk yeah and it wasn't because of the actual antihistamine it was because the way that it was produced had yeah. a carcinogen in it yeah. so they had to completely recall all of it yeah so that's one the receptors if you move up kind of upstream from that you think if i've already released histamine out of my immune system, and we'll talk about that in a minute too. How can I how can I degrade that? Because yes. histamine should be there for a very short period of time, and then your body should clear it and degrade it. And once it's outside in the cell like that, you have an enzyme called diamine oxidase (DAO) that is going to do the majority of the clearance of that histamine. Now it's interesting because you know our last podcast we talked about copper. Yeah. DAO is a copper dependent enzyme, so you need copper in order to make this enzyme. Yeah. And it's also mostly made in your gut and it gets into the rest of the body through the lymphatic system which is a whole conversation too so if, you yeah, if your lymph system is congested you're not going to get the dao and yeah, what helps yeah. the lymph system not be congested things like exercise yes yeah. so people who are not moving but are exposed to triggers mm -hmm. sitting around in a moldy house or or just constantly being triggered yeah they're the hardest people to to get it going 
Yeah. So they can't get, you can't even get the enzyme that's supposed to break down the histamine to the place that you need it. Yeah. Now there are supplements for DAO and those can be sometimes very helpful for people who can't make it because in a situation of leaky gut, you're not going to make that enzyme either. Yeah. And so for some people, histamine intolerances where they eat foods or they have different issues with histamine, using that type of enzyme can be very useful in certain situations. It's not for everybody. The, for moving upstream again, we think about um, the level of histamine inside of the immune cell. Yeah. And that's controlled by methylation. Yes. And methylation is, we bring it up from time to time, it's always a big topic, but really what it is again is that you use B vitamins in order to produce a chemical or chemicals, I guess we could say, that help with detoxification. Yeah. And so if that system doesn't work very well, you're not going to control and detoxify excess histamine. I see that a lot. That's the whole under-methylation issue that we briefly yes. touched on last podcast. So that's an important thing to control, too. One of the biggest things, then, is the actual immune cell calming that down. That immune cell, the main one is called the mast cell. Mast, like the, the mast on the boat. Yeah, M-A-S-T, that mast cell. The mast cell can be calmed down. These are called mast cell stabilizers. And the most common one that some people have heard of, especially now through covid is quercetin. Yeah. A lot of people take quercetin for several reasons, but it's one of the best ways to reduce the overactivity of the mast cell in the immune system, so it just doesn't make as much or release as much histamine. Yeah, and when you combine any one of those components from the receptor uh, to the two upstream to the mast cell, and then even including uh, avoiding of high histamine foods, yep. Like uh, and you can you can go online and get a, a histamine list. Now there are some differences, but generally speaking, I know if you uh, stick like uh, uh, casein, gluten, alcohol, shellfish, and tomatoes generally are higher histamine, and that's just a short little list. And uh, you, the, I know a lot of people that just going off that list, they're like, yeah, I have issues after I have any one of those things. Then you know your histamines are high, and, and start working in one of those downstream. Uh, yeah. components and then eventually you'll be able to uh, bring in some of those foods again when you get your history back into balance because it's not like a true allergy no. i have people do trials of low histamine diets in these situations and i call it a trial because for some people if they go even on two weeks of a low histamine diet it can be yeah. life-changing yeah and it's hard to stay on a low histamine diet though it is. to your point then you have to work on these other factors yeah i think then i I should mention too, I usually split the treatment into two categories. The first category is what we just described, the control of the histamine and its release and its detoxification. The second one is one that you already alluded to, it's control of the triggers. Yeah. And those triggers, again, are allergy, allergens like allergy, you know, yeah. seasonal allergies. But you mentioned candida and yeast and mold, anything in that fungal family is a, is a big player there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned lime, Bartonella, which is a lime yeah. wine that I uh, is is related to that too, and then uh, environmental toxins, yeah, and parasites, yeah. It's not a great combination, no. And but it's a lot of our chronic illness. Yeah. We see mast cell disorder, histamine dysfunction in our chronic illness, and you just went through the majority of, with the exception of maybe a few viruses missing, missing, mm -hmm. but you went through the list of the big hitters for chronic illness. 
so many people have histamine intolerance and mast cell disorders not as their primary problem, no. but as a secondary effect of those triggers. But we have to learn to manage and treat that as we're going after the primary issue a lot of times. One of the biggest juggling acts is managing this through a detoxification or a, like a viral clearance or a, a yep. pathogen clearance process. Because what you get into a situation of, if you're just going after and trying to kill off a, a infection, for instance, or detoxify something, you're, you're always going to stir up more inflammation and more yeah. junk. And that junk is going to make your mast cells mad and you're going to get more histamine problems. So the balancing act is always between not going so fast with clearance of junk that you irritate your mast cells and balancing the mast cells so that you can actually detox in a way that's a bit more effective. Yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Um, you know, we. I wanted to say two other uh, high histamine things real quick. Yes. Um, and we'll. And one is exercise intolerance, which we just talked about. How exercise <laughs> is important for the lymph systems. That, hence the, the catch twenty two. That's the why these yeah. people come in here and they, I go to the gym and I and I exercise and and I, I I feel worse. I can't do it. Yeah. Or it takes me three weeks to recover from one type of activity. Yeah. And that's. Uh, I drink nice. water. And I bloat. Yeah. This is it's like everything you tell people to do to be healthy, <laughs> it literally shuts yeah, them down. Yeah, I can't exercise or yeah. can't drink water. Yeah. We're here to validate all those people <laughs> right now who are going through these things, who are struggling, saying I'm doing everything right and I feel miserable. Yes. It's yeah. it's because of histamine yeah. or a, a, yeah. a chronic illness like Lyme mold and other stuff and histamine. Yes. So we don't force people to exercise in that situation until that issue is fixed because it's counter counterproductive. But once you can do it, the exercise is critical to maintain it. Especially, yeah, that. exactly. I hope people are getting this part of it because um, a lot of times, what's good for us, just because it says it's good for us in a study or something like that, doesn't mean it's good for you right now. And we have to a lot of times do things really strange to get you back into a certain balance and then do the good stuff to maintain it or to get to the next step. Uh, we have other diets where we literally have to pull people off of high fiber, healthy, raw fruits and vegetables yeah. to actually have their gut heal. And then we bring it back. There's so many diets like that where they say, well, this is all good food. See, yeah. It is good food, but it's not good for you right now. Yeah. But it will be eventually will be really once we get to a certain point. Yeah. Last but not least, bladder irritation. I see this only occasionally, but some people will come in, and usually it's a, it's a woman who says, well, you know, I have these recurrent UTIs, but every time I go get a test, nothing's there. There's nothing there. Yeah. There's no bacteria or fungus infecting. Yeah. And that can be histamine intolerance or yeah. high histamine. There it can also be oxalates. Oxalates is the other one that sneaks in there. But interestingly enough, the one combination, the one thing that causes both oxalates and high histamine is yeah. fungus. Yeah. Yeah. And so and it doesn't have to be fungus in that area. Either. No, no, it can be intestinal fungus actually driving it. And then it gets converted into oxalates uh, in other areas. And I will say this too, for some people, cause there's a link here, high oxalates can cause issues with eyes. It can cause fibromyalgia like pains in the body. Mm -hmm. So if you have the thought that you might have fibromyalgia with some seasonality or histamine stuff and bladder irritation, that's not a UTI. Mm -hmm. You've probably got fungal uh, infection or at the very least oxalates and histamine issues, which yeah. we do see quite often. Do. Yeah, oxalates, uh, people have usually heard of oxalates only in relation to kidney stones. But you can have high oxalates and never have a kidney stone. So yeah. the kidney stone isn't a good indicator for that. No, although 75% of kidney stones are oxalates. Yeah, um, uh, yeah so if you get kidney stones. Yeah, if you, you, know, if you add kidney stones to that as well. Yeah. 
I have a patient right now who has six kidney stones just sitting there. Really? Yeah. That's no pain. No, well, no pain right now. But uh, six kidney kidney stones, and uh, another patient that uh, passes a stone about once a month, uh, and we, we've been able to decrease that frequency and slowly working on on the other stuff. It sounds terrible. And I'm, I'm just going to point one other thing out there because we're on the kidney stone thing. Yeah. Um, with that that one patient, it was uh, uh, high levels of glyphosate, which is the active ingredient in Roundup, mm-hmm. that we had to detoxify out of the body. That's very interesting because glycine, which is related to Roundup, is also implicated in, in oxalate production. Yes, yeah, exactly. Which requires B6. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, back to our last podcast. Yeah. Anyways, I think that covers a lot of the histamine pieces. We know we, we skimmed over and went into depth on some of these pieces and the allergy part, too. Um, I think these symptoms encompass so much of what we see in our practice that you listening to this might very easily say, Oh, I've got some of these issues. And so considering histamine and considering those triggers in particular are really important next steps. Yeah. And, and correcting it doesn't mean just doing an, an antihistamine. You're missing, yeah. mm-hmm. you're missing a lot of other components to it. The antihistamine part of it and the control of that is really step one to gain stability yeah. while you go after the triggers. Yeah. Uh, all right, so that is a, a, a good, quick nugget of information there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of people, um, as the snow melts, uh, who will here up in the, the, the north anyway of the United States, uh, we're going to start seeing more uh, reactions. And one of the things that uh, I, I tend to do with my patients that I suspect histamine is I, I have them go off their stuff when they travel south for the winter for a winter break and just see how they feel in a different environment. And uh, sometimes it's the, the house they're living in and it's better. And um, sometimes it's, it's no change. So it tells us quite a bit of information. So how's that for a treatment recommendation? We recommend that you travel south for the winter if you're up north. <laughs> Everyone will feel better if they uh, get into some sun, sunlight and sunshine. All right. Thanks again for uh, joining us on uh, this week's podcast. And uh, we uh, appreciate you sending these podcasts on to other uh, friends and family. And uh, don't be afraid to send in any requests for topics. Uh, where would they send such a thing? <laughs> <laughs> We should just record this part and replay it every day. We should. <laughs> you would think. Yeah, so on our website, uh, officialsynapse.com, uh, we've got a media section with, uh, with the podcast tab. You can listen to all of our podcasts there. On the bottom, we've got a little area in it. And we do have people from time to time submit stuff. And so if you've submitted something and we haven't talked about it yet, it's not because we don't love you. It's just because that we're filtering all the things that we get because we get so many requests and we'll eventually get around to all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Synapse Nips podcast. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast. To learn more, check out our website at www.officialsynapse.com. Until next time, this has been Synapse Nips podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only and should under no circumstances be considered medical advice or a substitute for medical care. Any information given in this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease and is at the user's own risk. Please first consult a licensed healthcare professional.